This is Jan Cox, talk number 2558, recorded July 31st, 2000. Let's begin tonight's news simply. A man who talks lies. A man who thinks lies. A man who thinks about himself lies like a 40-acre parking lot. Is there a way out, you ask? Yes, I reply. And what might it be, you ask? Wait and see, I reply. And then you say, I'll bet that it will be something really simple. So why'd you ask, says I. Damn, I almost gave it away. But seriously, folks, on with tonight's news. Headline, here is the other entire magical mystery secret. Here is a, I think it's supposed to be, or the entire magical mystery, mystical secret. That's it. That's the headline. Here is the entire magical mystery, mystical secret. With humans in the human world, nothing is ever enough. An author says, the trouble with writing a book is that it makes you want to write another one. In human affairs, nothing is ever enough. A reader says, the problem with reading a book is that it makes you want to read another one. In matters human, nothing is ever enough. A politician says, the vexation of being elected to one office is that it makes you want to be elected to another one. When humans act, nothing is ever enough. A scientist says, the drawback to making one discovery is that it makes you want to make another one. In the world of humans, nothing is ever enough. A philosopher says, the dilemma of having one thought is that it makes you want to have another one. And finally, a would-be mystic says, the woe of having awakened once is that all you can ever think about after that is... (laughs) Ah, why go on? You must know what I mean. Question, why don't even those people as mentally sharp as mystics are purported to be find the fact that even having experienced that which they seek still doesn't satisfy them? It's still not enough. Okay, here it is, plain and double plain. If you're human, nothing is ever enough. Oh, here's the other. Entire mystical secret plainly revealed. Okay. The secret to everything is to shut up. Forget about meditation, self-remembering, prayer, mindfulness, and all the rest. All you need to do is shut up. Don't be bothered by being tall, short, male, female, young, old, shy, aggressive, quick, slow, dumb, or smart. Just shut up. 
The secret to everything is to shut up. And now you know the secret. A young man tracked down a well-known mystic and after cornering him asked, approximately how long does it take to awaken? And the headbanger replied, I go to hell. Which pretty well answered the question, thought the lad. That long, eh? <laughs> I should scratch that from your mind. Members of the jury, ignore that last comment. If I'd wanted to say that, I would have put it in the news item. The difference between being almost there and still having a way to go is that people of the latter sort believe that there is magic to be found in words, liberating, enlightening magic. While a person within sight of home has come to gradually realize that the only magic about words is in their ability to, to close your eyes, to make your eyes close, put you in a trance, and make it impossible for you to use your mind in a manner that will produce enlightening results. Question, then where is the magic in the words I just used to convey that fact? A, re a refresher, the liberating answer to everything is to shut up. As some say on the verbal battlefield, if you don't catch the bullets in your mouth, they can't hurt you. Question, are you aware that the mouth not only makes shipments, but accepts deliveries as well? Does that make any sense to you? If not, a reminder. When you shut up, everything makes sense. See, the magic is not in words, but in shutting up in both directions. Shipping and receiving. After having chastised... You're in for a treat. I almost read, if you don't know, I'm sure you don't, I just laid it down. That's news from this coming Wednesday. Temporally speaking, it got ill juxtaposed. So you just saw it happening in movies, but buying a newspaper that has tomorrow's headlines. There is a news item, trust me. Just trust me, I know. That news item is actually from this coming Wednesday through some supernatural science fiction manner, it got in today's news. Back to today's news. Headline, A Trick of Tricks. Only a man who has shut up can hear what other people are actually saying. One man, when he got married, went to Niagara Falls. Later, when he woke up and was able to obtain a divorce from himself, he shut off the falls within himself. A man who knows lives alone, even amidst a houseful. See, the secret is that once you shut up, the house empties. Question, how do people get involved with this kind of activity? 
a scene from everyday life. A man reads an article about a newly discovered danger, quote, the silent sudden heart attack, which concluded with the recommendation that people talk to their doctor about the problem immediately, which the man did. And when asked what he said to his doctor, he replied, well, I told him I didn't want one. Next question. You do remember what that was in reference to. That was a response to the question, how do people get involved with this sort of activity? Headline, and still another great cosmic mystery unraveled. <clears throat> Who controls life? No one knows. Does life know who controls life? No one knows. Long pause. Then a voice asks, Is that it? Another terrifying secret revealed. One day, a long struggling mystic seemed to have awakened to the full truth of things. And while he was able to communicate directly with life, he asked life, Where are you in the pecking order? And life replied, I am the pecking order. Apparently, the man had not achieved full awakening. The difference between being 90% fully awake and say, oh, 70% is, that the further you are from completeness, the more unnecessary things do you say. An example being, in fact, this instant comment I've just added on to at the end here. That one. Yeah, it may be interesting, but it wasn't necessary. Oh, something else. Can you perceive a pecking order within yourself? And I guess you're going to tell me that that wasn't necessary. Forget about the question about who controls life. Ask this. Who controls your tongue? After he heard all of the secrets of the struggle to awaken revealed, one man said, I don't see what all the secrecy was about. A man said to his somewhat retarded twin, Well, I guess after hearing all of this, that it is obvious even to you that if you shut up, you can't lie. And his sluggish counterpart smiled slyly and said, Yeah, but I could still be talking to myself and no one would know. The man was momentarily at a loss as to what appropriately cond condemnatory retort to make. He felt that even, quote, go lay your head under a bus was not adequate. I could even suggest this as a good litmus test. After hearing it talked about in tonight's news, do you truly understand what is meant by shut up? <clears throat> and obviously, if you have an answer to that, you don't. Gotcha. And finally, if we were to put tonight's model of man into commercial terms, we could say that. A man who's in business with himself 
can never shut up. It has to do with an obscure part of the law governing partnerships. Life is not arranged. Speaking of talking and lying, if you notice, and as always, or as I am now, I am not referring to our instinctive life. I'm referring to that unique life of man. Goes on in the brain, in the conscious mind, or turns into activities in which men participate that arise solely from his conscious mind, not from his instincts. The secondary world, the cultural world. That world is not arranged for people to shut up. It is not conducive to shutting up. I say that nothing about the cultural, the secondary, the mentally based world in which we live most of our lives now, it seems to us that we live most of our lives in it. That that world is not intended to, it's not arranged, nor is the intention, nor is any part of it conducive to people shutting up. I'll put out an example. Uh, in our present time of that zoologist, or lion tamer, who discovered, he said, a distinct relationship between the pad placement on large cats' paws and their temperament. Taking it at face value, which I have no reason to doubt that the man found some relationship. If he wrote a small paper, if he told enough people around some research center about this, and he was invited to speak about it. Maybe even he could fatten up enough pages to that idea to get a book out of it. And he's on a book tour, making collateral speeches. Does everyone hear this reality? Do you realize this is what, I've just got to make up one possible way it would go right quick, but that this is indeed what would happen. The man stood up and he said, yes, indeed, what you've heard is true. After years, I worked with a circus and I was in charge of taming the large cats, lions and tigers. And I became very interested that some animals were just seemed naturally aggressive, even when they were came in as cubs. And no matter what we did, whether they were treated kindly or whether they were treated in a stern manner, their temperament would not change. And it was it just seemed to be. Anyway, it just struck me, and I started looking for some something that they had in common. And I finally began to realize I would, I'd have to be grooming them and sometimes worrying about their, you know, looking after their health. Now, anyway, I found out that the pads, however many it is, three or four, I guess, but on their bottom of their paws, that there was a certain relationship in the placement, whether the, the second and third would be closer together than the first and the second. And every time I found it to be true in every instance, and I saw this over a matter of 12 years and no less than 320 large cats, that if that relationship between those pads existed, then the animal, without any doubt, was more aggressive 
than those in which the pad placement was equidistant. If he stopped there and assumed that people showed up who were interested in such matters, they knew the general topic. Do you hear me that they would not let it stop there? And it's not any nefarious plot. It's not a conspiracy. But you do know that if he made that speech to a group of interested people or a group of zoologists, someone, if he, if he said that and people went, is that true? Maybe people went, wow. Whether they be laymen or professionals, it would be an, a new discovery. The people would be very impressed. But what would happen if he said, and I kept careful records. Some of you, I passed out papers there. and I, Anyway, I, I've done it and it's just... I just found it very interesting. I mentioned it to several people, and uh, I ended up in the news, and here I am. So, uh, anyway, that's what I discovered. How long do you figure it would take? What I just did, that eight or ten seconds of silence, and someone would raise their hand and go, what did, did you find, uh, you know, what, what other relationships having to do with the pad placement and... Uh, the large cats. What else do you find? He might say, well, what do you mean? They go, well, you know, like a, what sort of bearing did it have on the, their longevity? See, when I brought this up, if you, those of you who were here last time, I brought it up and I said, first I put it on him. I said, do you realize that even if he had made such a discovery, and it was true, do you realize that almost immediately, because of the way that the mind... The conscious mind is constructed and organized. That as I tried to get you to consider, even if it sees things as they are to start with, if its attention, the conscious mind's attention, is held on whatever it sees long enough to then think about it. After it first sees, and let's assume... I can say it for a fact, and I'll leave it to you, but that the first time the, the conscious mind lays its eyes on anything that comes to its attention, it sees it exactly as it is, or else the conscious mind would be of no use whatsoever. But I say that after that, just immediately, it begins to see it, the thing, not as it is, but as it could be, as it might be, which is responsible, which is the only way that we have made technical progress and it is the cause of endless social change, cultural change. But last time I pointed out, I laid it upon the guy who discovered the relationship between pad placement and aggressiveness. And I said that even after he saw that, again, let's take it at face value, that he saw it and he observed it carefully, objectively over such a long period of time, that he is absolutely convinced. He just knows for a fact now he can see an aggressive line, one he's never seen, and he can describe you. He'll tell somebody, go pick up its paw. And I can tell you right now, the second and third pad will be closer together. I mean, obviously, as soon as you look at it, they'll be closer together than the first and second. There will be no symmetry there. Again, I didn't check whether it's three or four, but you get the gist of what I mean. Even if he said that, do you know, after he discovered it, and once he decided to talk about it, that almost instantly, he went from that into, the way I put it, I think, was he went into that to uh, how, the, how the placement probably had to do also with what house, what zodiac sign under which they were born. 
other where they had any mystical tendencies, that he would go off into areas, the point being, I was trying to exaggerate enough to, for you to get the point, is that he would go from the physical observation, the observation of something that was physically true, into a dream, that he would begin to elaborate, or to put it crudely, he would begin to lie about it. He would begin to talk about things he didn't know. But I want you to consider tonight, those of you that have heard it, that it's not simply a one-way street. It's, it's, although it's true that everyone's mind does this, the conscious mind does it, it's not simply a matter that each individual is given this unrecognized responsibility or this curse, well, that it's arranged that their, their, their conscious mind does it. I'm saying it as a part, the woof and weave of all of cultural life. That if the man didn't say anything, if he just stated what he had observed to a crowd of people, a group of people, the people would not let it rest there. Surely you hear me. If he had just stated just what he had observed, that over 12 years I observed that the second and third Paul are closer together than the first and second are pad on the Paul, a large cat will be demonstratively more aggressive than we're... Than his contemporaries that you have there. Nobody would let it stop there. Not people whose conscious mind had an interest in what he said. And if, they, and if someone said, well, what other observations? That's really astounding. Nobody's ever thought of that. And you, your name will certainly go down in the annals of zoology. But, uh, you know, after all that, what else did you observe? And if he said nothing... Would you expect that? Even if, even if, if someone said, uh, raise their hand and said, well, what, what other relationships did you observe just besides his uh, brute aggressiveness? What other characteristics could you also trace as being, as always going along with a large cat who had non-symmetrical pad placement on its paws? And if he says, well, that was, you know, the main thing. They go, well, yeah, okay, we understand them. You know, that was the main thing. And let's say he'd never even thought about it until right now. He's on the spot. And the person says, well, we understand. That's, you know, that was the topic. That was the announced topic of your speech. And your findings, we understand that. But, uh, you know, something out astounding. Uh, you know, we just, I assume that there had to be more that you observed. So what else was there? Thank you. I'll sit down and let you answer. And there he stands. Again, I repeat, it's not him, it's not anybody's fault, it's not the people's fault, it's not stupidity. I say, and plus I say it's obvious as hell, if you can step away from it mentally, that the life of man, the verbal, collective, mental, slice, cultural, slice, secondary world of man is not arranged for people to shut up. Years and years and years ago, I pointed out several times, under different auspices, about how endless conversation, just this endless palaver, is part of what keeps the world going. And you make a mistake just to condemn it and say, well, everybody runs their mouth too much. That may be true. That is, it may not be serving any purpose from your view. But if you don't, you're not doing the right thing if you do not see something such as that and ask yourself, well, what purpose? What, what else is going on that I don't see? I'm saying that life is not arranged. Things would not move as they do. Again, we're not, I'm not commenting on whether there's any objective value to it. 
from my view or from your view, or as it may affect your life, but there would be no change in the fashions of uh, dress, of literature, of music. Uh, the cultural life of man would just about stop the secondary world. See, oftentimes, or it's not uncommon, I'm sure all of you know, for self-appointed social critics to condemn the rate of change and oftentimes to condemn a, some specific example of change. Just someone saying, well, I know that now we're considering that the painters and other critics consider that we're in the postmodern day and that abstract expressionalism is now passe. But I'm going to tell you what, as shocking as abstract expressionalism was in the early 50s compared to what had gone before, at least the shock was something that helped ignite interest in art and painting. But I'm telling you this postmodernism, all it's done is dull our senses. I just made that up. I don't know what the hell it meant either, in case you're wondering. The point is that it's common for critics to condemn a specific example or to say, well, I know that taste of music changes. But my God, to go from soul music to rap, it's just unthinkable. It makes no sense. I can't stand it. That is not music. They, they'll either condemn the rate of change that things change too often, or as you know, there are plenty of men. And I don't mean, mean men who walk with a certain gait. I'm talking about real men are constantly condemning the fact that women's fashion changes every year. You know, mainly because their wife wants new clothes. But they condemn it just on the, supposedly on the basis that it serves no purpose. I don't know what kind of Einsteins <laughs> such people think they are that saying, well, just because now they're telling women that skirts must be higher than the knee. And last year they told them last spring or last fall, they told them if your skirt is not below your knee, you should be ashamed to go in public. And some bricklayer, or just some ordinary middle-class guy says, how stupid can women be? That's just some people are trying to sell clothes. The guy wants to grab his wife or other women and strangle them like, don't you realize what's going on? Well, sure, they don't care. It's just change. It's something new. If it were not for that, I won't stay on it, but I'm telling you, if it were not for change, sometimes it's not all that drastic as the skirt changing in length six inches overnight. Like in literature, it might be something gradual that goes on over decades. But you simply know. You can either look at it this way. You could say taste change. Sometimes that's said. The point is, there is constant change, whether it appears to be rapid or gradual, in the cultural world. And I say that it would collapse. We would have no cultural world. We would not be humans. That would finally, indirectly affect technology. We couldn't have technology without the dream world because the conscious mind would never have dreamed of how to develop technology, how to make a stream running downhill turn wheels and pump its own self upstream, uphill, to irrigate fields higher up on their property. If the mind could not dream like that, or the mind couldn't dream like that, unless it also could dream about, well, I think I'll sketch buffaloes here on the side of this cave wall, and I'll do it instead of trying to fill in every little detail like people did in the cave down the way, the cave people. Or the, I've seen some older paintings on walls 
I'm just going to use as few lines as possible instead of using as many lines as possible to try and make it look realistic. I'll do it just enough to where you'll glance at it and go, wow! And that you'll know instantly that you don't have to stop and look and go, there has to be. I say without the seemingly meaningless cultural world, that is, it's non-essential. You can live without it. I would say that we would not have technology. We would not have progress of any kind because in both instances, it is the conscious mind seeing things other than they are, seeing them as being other than they are. <sighs> Back to where I was, though. A man can see something and make a comment about aggression and the placement of pads on large cats' paws. But life is not arranged. You know, that could prove useful. Not immediately, perhaps, to your life, but that could save lives. That could save not the lives just of lion tamers. That might save the lives of large cats. It could indirectly. It could eventually be useful. So the man makes the observation. But I repeat, surely you hear me without me making up more and more examples. It is not possible under ordinary conditions. It's not going to happen that the man make that one observation. Stated to, to any group of people, sometimes just one other person, who is equally interested. Has to be, of course, someone whose mind would be interested enough to hear it. They will not let it go there. But you can look at it two ways. I challenged you to look at it last time. That your mind, you know, when I said that I would prefer, I considered a more responsive description rather than say that the mind lies about what it sees it sees when it first sees something it sees it as it is but it can't stick to it a man sees something he sees he sees he looks and he looks and there's no doubt the placement of the pads on a lion's paw has a direct connection between its degree of aggression can he let it stop there? And you might say, well, sure he could. Well, you can say that. And I can say, yeah, sure, he, he could. As, as always, it's not debatable. It's nothing I can prove. It's just you understand. Some guy could have made such an observation. I'll put it to you this way. And if he told somebody, like he told, maybe he, maybe he just looked after the big cats. And he wasn't even a lion tamer. And he kept looking and looking. And finally, he told the lion tamer, he said, I think I've discovered something. You know, you, you know how unpredictable when you first get cats? They are, you know, I, uh, the lion tamer, sure, you know, I'm a lion tamer, I've got more experience. The guy says, I've realized something. After being here the last four or five years, I've been looking. And do you know that every cat that you've had here that was so aggressive there was a problem? Every one of them, I have looked. The second and third paw, pad, are closer together on their paw than the first and second pad. If the lion tamer either dismissed it or said, I don't believe it, or went, well, that's interesting, I walked off. He did not, how that, he, his conscious mind did not lay on it. Therefore, the man who discovered it, you might say, got no positive feedback. No other conscious mind showed any interest. Then I say such a man could have made such an observation, such a discovery, 
But the point is, you will never hear about it. He has to start lying about it before you'd hear about it. That is, his mind cannot stick to simply what he saw. It must move on. That his mind either on its own or, as I said, with some apparent encouragement by others, by some other person or some group of other people, that he makes the observation. So if he just accidentally, it wouldn't be willfully, but if he accidentally refrains from beginning, from elaborating on what he observed, and he just states what he observes, and some people do, that their minds do become attracted, not like the lion tamer that just said, ah, that's nothing, and walked off. You had never heard of that guy who made the discovery. But if he made the discovery and he told a lion tamer, another guy, and the lion tamer says, are you serious? And the lion tamer looks around, and maybe the lion tamer goes to an adjoining circus. The next night they get on a plane and they fly to another city. And the lion tamer looks and he goes, my God, it, you're right, it's right. And he starts talking it up. And it sweeps all through the circus about, you know, here's something that, you know that guy that's been looking after lions and swimming up after elephants? He discovered something that no one's ever known. It gets that big. And maybe a newspaper makes a, gets the reporter's ears and some reporter comes out. Maybe some zoologist. Do you know that by the time reporters get there, just almost instantly, by the time there's any mass interest, any larger interest in his discovery, he will begin to lie. Not in the sense of willfully lying as I was trying to get you to see, like the salesman who says, yeah, that sticker that says the car averages 21 miles a gallon, it gets 21 miles a gallon. He doesn't have to be lying on the basis he knows it's not true, but he's lying on the basis that he doesn't know whether it's true or not. And he says it is. So the guy who made this discovery about the lines, pad placement, that's why I don't like really the word lying once you see what I'm talking about. I don't think you would either because it's normally taken to mean something other than the reality of what the conscious mind engages in. But the man begins to elaborate. He begins to talk about more than he personally observed. As soon as a reporter comes around and says, is it true? Are you the guy and that you discovered just on your own? Have you been trained in zoology? And the guy said, I didn't even face high school. The reporter says, what a great story. This will make the wires. And, and do I understand correctly, even this, the lion tamers agreed, this professional, that you have discovered that the way that the pads are placed on the bottom, is the lion's foot sort of like a house cat's? And the guy said, oh, yeah. The guy said, oh, okay, well, I know that. I got a cat at home. He says, so, but you're saying that the way the pads are placed, how close they are together, absolutely will determine. You can look at that and tell how aggressive, how dangerous a cat's going to be, a lion. And the guy that made the discovery says, yeah. And the guy's writing, he says, well, tell me more. Remember, talking about individuals is kind of foolish. I am trying to now expand it for you. It's the nature of the way the secondary, the cultural world, the unique world of man is arranged, the way it's organized, the way it works. The man, quote, will be helpless. This means nothing, but I point out, I am not inferring, as I assume you surely put together yourself, that he has decided, well, I'm, I'm going to lie to these bastards. He didn't think that. He doesn't decide that. But he will begin, his brain, his conscious mind will begin to elaborate. It will begin to dream. If we want to lapse into mystical terminology, it will begin to dream about additional aspects of this discovery of which he has no experience. 
that he has no knowledge, but he can open his mouth if the reporter says, well, what else did you discover? Let's say until then, he had never said another word about, and he goes, well, uh, it also obviously has to do with the general health. The health, the general health, yeah. You mean that just, you could look at the Paul and instead of being a, you know, some zoologist or circus doctor and have to put a line down and knock it out and do all kinds of tests and you know, try to put a damn sleeve around its arm to get its blood pressure and make it hold a thermometer that you could just get an idea from looking at its paw. This general health and guy goes, uh, well, well, uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the lying I'm talking about. He didn't intend to lie. He's, he doesn't have... There's no profit in him doing this, other than saying, well, it got him in print. His discovery got the reporter there. But now, you understand, let's forget him now and the reporter. The mind cannot stop. It can't stick to what it saw. Once it gets going, so to speak, it can't let go. Once it gets the tongue going about a certain subject, about a certain matter, it can't stop. Life is not arranged. How often do you talk to ordinary people and of their own volition they stop talking? Normally you have to stop them. You have to interrupt. You have to him and how you have to give some sort of at least body language signals that, you know, shut up, it's my turn. Or, if nothing else, just blatant displays of boredom. You know, let you yawn and look off to try and tell them to shut up. Now, to you internally. That should be enough. When I have to say anything else, you're supposed to go, damn, I see what you're going to go, I know what you're going to say. Well, you did until you thought about it, and then you begin to lie about it. You begin to elaborate. Well, I can call it a danger, and I shouldn't do it. Because none of this is dangerous. You're not going to die any faster than you would have being fast asleep or never heard it, having heard of this. And you're not going to get any sicker. You're not going to be any poorer. You're not going to be any worse off. So I shouldn't call it a danger. I find it interesting. I find it exciting. All such as this. I just never think to call it that. I'm in the habit of saying, well, the problem, the danger of this is, and what I mean is the excitement, the usefulness that the mind is, that I know is going to have the inclination to overlook. That is, after you once had some, let's go ahead and call it, proper view, correct view of what you're trying to do. Say, I'm lying, just let it go with that. Because you never had a correct view, but I'm trying to place it in the context that I've already said that the conscious mind, the first time it sees anything, I should keep it to the external world, the physical world. The first time the conscious mind sees anything, the first time it sees it just for what it is. And that's all. But then, almost instantly, if it thinks about it anymore, as soon as it thinks about what it saw, it begins to immediately drift. And it, the drift can be serious. That is, the drift can be weighty. The drift can be expansive. 
that it just begins to immediately drift away from what it saw. The mind begins to elaborate. It begins to talk about the thing it just saw in ways. It begins to describe and analyze it in ways that were not there when it first saw it. Now back to us internally. There's really nothing comparable. That's why I said I was actually lying. But let's say, the only way I know to put it without talking forever, that is, without lying forever, is to say that the first time you ever heard that man's asleep, if that was the one you heard or read, that man is, believes he's awake, but he's actually living in a dream, but he could awaken. Let's assume that that's true. Then the first time you heard that, you went, that's it. Something, that or something similar, if you're my archetypical, would be mystic. You heard that and was like seeing something physical for the first time, and you saw it for the first time, the first instant that you saw or heard it. You saw, slice, heard it exactly for what it was. But then if your attention was held enough that you then began to comment to yourself on it, you began to drift away from simply what you saw. So if there is a point, the reason I have to go through that is to assume for the sake of my palaver, that there was one point at which everybody's conscious mind, when they heard about awakening enlightenment, read about it or heard about it, they went, aha! And at that instant, before they commented on it, they saw it, they understood it for what it was. You know, whatever the hell that is. But you understand the exciting part of it or the problem according to whether you're an optimist or a moose or a, what's the other club, a Rotarian. The problem is, after you have once that your conscious mind went, yes, that's it. Enlightenment, that's what I've been after, that's it, that's what I want. Is after that, after that to some degree, and it can change from moment to moment, but you immediately then drifted. And you will never be able to reclaim it under any ordinary conditions. It doesn't just happen. You have now drifted. Your mind does it automatically. I challenge you to look. It automatically, as soon as you start commenting, as soon as you start talking to yourself, and I don't care what the talk is. The talk can be apparently valid, meaningful to you, such as you just read man's, man believes he's awake, whereas he's actually living mentally in what amounts to a dream. But through a certain effort, he can awaken you. That's it. Whatever you think I said, like, my God, who said that? Was that Buddha? I should have read. I should have guessed that. Or if you think, asleep. I thought, I thought before that it was hard to control my attention. So asleep. That's it. Or if you just said to yourself, oh, thank, thank be to the gods, I have now found my purpose in life. Whatever it was, do you understand, you have instantly drifted. You are no longer dealing with pristinely. You're no longer dealing exactly with what you saw. And you never again will. So no matter what you think about thinking, no matter what you think about your mind, no matter what you think about being asleep or being awake, it is a lie. to put it crudely and try to get your attention. It is not precise. And it can be so imprecise 
Those are any good to think that drifts back and forth and be closer or further away from what you actually saw it to be. Now that I've said that, I'd, I'd advise you to scrap it because I found it to be meaningless. In case your mind wants to go, well, sometimes maybe my thoughts are closer to the reality of it. Therefore, sometimes me thinking about it could be more profitable than at other times. No, it can't. Just to get that out of the way. If you're drifting, if you have drifted, if you are now elaborating, all right, now that you're lying, now that your brain, your conscious mind is lying about it, to understand the absolute futility. There's no other word for it. And it can appear certainly to be otherwise, but it's futility. Thinking about waking up. The solution? Shut up. And <laughs> my vast historical knowledge, mostly made up, of the great mystical struggle to awaken, I know of no past approach, school, monastery that went by that name or that that was their teaching. But it doesn't get any plainer than that. Of course, you've got to, not a big deal, but you've got to actually understand what it means, which I bet most of you do already. You just may not like it. If you could shut up, you would not be asleep. You would never be confused. You'd never be uncertain. All you got to do is shut up. And the cute part is you don't literally have to shut up. You just have to figure out if it didn't make any sense what I pointed out in the news item that the tongue not only makes shipments, it accepts deliveries. Which if that still doesn't make sense, I'll give you a hint. Wednesday, we're returning to an expanded version of one of my previous models, the ever-popular, the always-interesting partnership. See, if I was you sitting out there, then I could go home right now. I would see all the connection that I've been doing about lying and now about shutting up. And then pointing out that all of this has to do with one obscure aspect of the law governing partnerships. Not corporations, not even sole proprietorships, but partnerships. Plus, I'm going to give you what I never gave you before. I'm going to give you the legal, the commercial solution to the problem Inherent in partnership arrangements. And it's not just a repetition of me saying shut up. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.